0: Much better. Happy New Year. Welcome to Grace Bible Church. If you have your bulletin, I invite you to get it out. Uh, a lot of uh, information on there. A couple things really to point out though. Uh, first, uh, it is the new year and that means that we are kicking off our life groups again. Uh, if you've been a part of a life group, I want to let you know that you should be hearing from your life group leader uh, sometime soon about information as to when that's going to be started. If you've not been in a life group, I want to encourage you uh, to, to do that and to consider getting in that. Uh, they've been really good um, as of late in particular, I think, and it's a really good way to get connected with the church. So, If that's something you're interested in, uh, more information is going to be coming. It'll be posted at the Welcome Center, or you can always talk to myself about that. Also, uh, with the start of the new year, we're starting a new Sunday School series uh, called Vintage Jesus uh, by Mark Driscoll. And so I want to show a quick uh, preview video just to give you a taste of what it's like. Uh, We had the first session this morning. It went excellent. Uh, Mark is a very good speaker, and I think it's going to be a really helpful series. So let's watch this together.
1: Is Jesus the only God? There's a ton of questions that you can get wrong throughout life with varying degrees of pain and difficulty. This question, however, is the most important. With Jesus, we are liberated from speculation and we are granted revelation. That God has come to show us who He is in Jesus. If you are a Christian or have been a Christian for a while, have you ever asked this question, Who would I be and what would I be doing had Jesus not saved me from my sin? The question is, where are the men? Where are the best men? Where are the strong men? Where are the passionate men? Where are the courageous men? Where are they not interested in Jesus? Where are they not interested in church? I would submit to you that they don't have a proper understanding of Jesus as he is right now. And what we see in Revelation 19, Jesus in heaven and returning is not. Here's his flowing hair as he rides his magical pony back into history uh, to drink decaf. We don't see that What we see is Revelation 19, which is awesome. It's ultimate fighter Christ. It's Jesus coming back to open a can. This is where Jesus is today. I really want you, especially the men who hear this, to have a bigger, more passionate, more powerful, more masculine, more authoritative, more kingly view of Jesus. So being a Christian in many ways means being a missionary like Jesus. Going into a culture, meeting people, learning their customs and their holidays, understanding their way of thinking and acting, finding the sin that is in their culture and in their lives, and presenting to them the truth of the Bible, the person and the work of Jesus. How could we worship a God who's never suffered, who's never wept, who's never endured hardship or loss or loneliness? I tell a little joke in advance. You get a little emotional breath, and it'll beat you up a little bit more. Repentance is turning your back to sin and your face to God. When we're in sin, our back is to God and our face is to sin. And repentance is literally a change of mind and a change of life and a change of life course and direction. Jesus is saying that all of history really comes down to who He is and what He has done. That there are not multiple truths. There is Jesus. There are not multiple ways. There is Jesus. There are not multiple lives. There is life with Jesus and life without Jesus, and life without Jesus is no life at all.
0: Father, it's uh, it's good to be uh, together again as your people, as those who have been uh, delivered uh, from our sins, uh, as those who have been forgiven uh, from all of our iniquities and transgressions by the blood of your Son, simply by faith. Father, we... Uh, have sung with our lips, and I pray, uh, mean it with our hearts that um, you are mighty to save, that you are a great God, and that when we call out to you, uh, you deliver us. Uh, you are indeed uh, very merciful and gracious to us. Father, I pray for our, our time this morning as we open your holy word. Uh, God, it is pure, it's righteous, it uh, trains us uh, in righteousness and, and in the way to live. And I pray, Father, that our hearts would be open towards it. Uh, I pray, Spirit, that you would be among us that you would empower and enable me, uh, in my words, that they would be truthful and accurate and good. And I pray, Father, for our hearts as we listen to your word. Uh, I pray that we would be receptive, Father, that we would have ears to to hear and eyes to see. And, Father, I pray in particular as we learn about uh, how sin in our life can enslave us and how you indeed can deliver us from that. You are a great God and a mighty Savior and full of power and strength. We're so grateful for that. And so we ask for your presence among us, and we ask that you would help us to leave uh, a changed people. And we ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You guys may be seated. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to grab them with me and turn to the book of Judges. We are going to be getting a new series uh, this this morning that will last a few months, and uh, it will be in the book of Judges. And so if you have your Bibles, pull them out. And uh, the book of Judges is in the Old Testament. Uh, You go through the first books of the Bible, and then you find your way to Joshua. If you find Joshua, Judges is the next book, and so go ahead and turn with me to the book of Judges, and uh, I've entitled our kind of sermon series this morning and for the rest of uh, uh, our time together in the book of Judges, The the Downward Spiral, and my hope is that we'll be able to discover uh, what that means a little bit. Uh, My goal this morning is simply to do an introduction to the book of Judges, and so um, we'll be in uh, a few texts in the book of Judges, mostly in chapter 2, so if you want to find chapter 2, that's pretty much where we're going to camp, but my goal is, is just to kind of see um, big picture, to see the forest instead of the trees, if you will, about the book of Judges. What is its message? What does it have to, sh- to say to us? Um, what are its main themes? And so uh, my goal is, is that. Um, something that I've been talking about with Shelley and then my family also, uh, something I probably don't clearly articulate as well as I should, but I hope to, is that as I think through and pray through what we're going to be talking about, where we're going to be, what books of the Bible, what kind of series we need to be in, uh, my goal and my my hope and my prayer for myself individually and for us as a church is that this year we would focus, um, on our individual walks with Christ that we would, uh, that there would be much growth, uh, individually that we would, uh, pursue, uh, Christ harder, that we would know him better. Uh, maybe that our spiritual life, if it's kind of down in the dumps would be revived. Um, this is my goal for this semester and this year really. And so we're going to be in the book of Judges. Um, my hope for the future is to be, um, in the book of James, uh, maybe, uh, the book of Song of Solomon and, uh maybe do a series on some spiritual disciplines. All that to say is the trajectory, if you will, for this year, um, my hope is that we will as individual believers in Christ, I uh, really be challenged to be renewed and, and to grow. So that being said, I want to kind of begin uh, the book of Judges, the downward spiral with a, a bit of an interactive game. And so the game goes something like this. I have five headlines, newspaper headlines, if you will, that I want to share with you. And uh, I'm going to flash them up on the screen. And the way the game works is it does, I, I need a little participation. All you have to do is raise Raise your hand, nothing too embarrassing, Uh, but I have uh, some newspaper uh, headlines, if you will, and what I want you to do is tell me whether that's a real newspaper headline from this past week or if it's a headline that I made up from the book of Judges. Does that make sense? Some of them are going to be headlines that I made up from the book of Judges and others will be real accurate headlines. Don't be embarrassed if you get them wrong. No big deal. So, first one. Here's the first headline that we have uh, this morning. Woman maimed by suitor fears more reprisals. Real or not real? Who thinks it's a real newspaper article? Raise your hand. You have to vote. No? Nope? Okay, only a few. Okay, so I take it. Who thinks it's from Judges? Book of Judges. Several of you. And, uh, no, it's not. It's a real newspaper article. I uh, saw that on CNN.com. Uh <laughs> For real. Okay, next. Here we go. Next one. Family feud leaves 69 brothers dead. Okay, real newspaper article? Okay, a few. Book of Judges. Book of Judges. And are you correct? Let's find out. Yep, you're correct. Judges 9 comes from chapter 9 in Judges. All right, moving along. Next one. Girls at party, forced to marry strangers. That sounds like something you'll see as you're in the um, uh, grocery line aisle, does it not? In the tabloids. Girls at party, forced to marry strangers. Who thinks it's a real headline? Okay. A few of you. Who thinks it's from Judges? Several of you. Okay. Are you correct? Let's find out. Indeed, Judges 21. That's taken uh, the tail end of the book. We see that happening in the life of Israel. You guys are pretty good. You're two for three, mostly. All right, let's uh, continue on here. Girl, 11, and boyfriend set mom on fire. Yeah, that one's pretty bad. Real. Okay. <laughs> Judges. Okay, you're correct. That's, that's, that's for real. Although it could have been on the book of Judges because uh, the book of Judges has some obviously bad headlines. Okay, last but not least, let's look at the last headline here. Gang rape leads to victims' death and dismemberment. Grotesque. Real? Who thinks it's real? Okay. Who thinks it's from the book of Judges? Who didn't vote that time? <laughs> oh, you gotcha. Let's find out. Where's it from? Judges 19. Indeed, from the book of Judges. Um, we can continue on. The point in this little exercise is simply to kind of highlight Um, The downward spiral that God's people, the nation of Israel, um, took, went on, if you will, fell down during the period of the judges. My desire in showing these headlines is just to show us the depth of the heinousness of Sin in the life of God's people, and when we do not walk with God, when we refuse to uh, recognize him as king, we slowly but surely take a downward spiral of immorality and sin, and it leads to, even in the life of God's people, headlines such as what we have seen and what we see in the book of Judges. So uh, my goal this morning is simply to kind of take us through a four-point message. If you have uh, your uh, inserts, I think you got an insert when you came. Feel free to uh, get them out. You have kind of the basic structure. Uh, feel free to take some notes if you hear something worthy of taking notes on. Uh, but basically, we got four parts. Uh, first of all, what we want to see is the biblical context. That is. Where is the book of Judges in the grand scheme of the Bible? Secondly, we want to take a look at the structure. That is, how does the book lay out? What's the flow of the narrative of the book of Judges? Thirdly, we want to take a look at the the cycle of the Judges. And basically, what we're going to talk about there is we see this repetitive theme, this major overarching uh, narrative, if you will, that we see repeated over and over in the book of Judges. We're going to take a look at that. Oh, we're scrolling through that. So if we can go back to the... uh, Yeah, we're good. Um... Fourthly, what we're going to see is some themes to the book of Judges. So let's go ahead and dig in. First of all, we see the biblical context. Um, hopefully I have a nice little uh, chart here that you can take a look at. But what I want us to see is that uh, the book of Judges is a transitional book. And what I mean by that is it helps transition um, uh, major periods in the history of Israel. First of all, we see Joshua. Uh, and pretty much from Joshua, beginning with Moses and Joshua, God's people were prophet-led. That is, there were key leaders, Moses and then Joshua, who led the people. They weren't kings. They were prophets. They spoke uh, from God. God spoke to them and they led the people. Uh, the book of Joshua is roughly around around 1400 BC. And Judges really serves as a transitional book. God's people were led led by prophet, and the book of Judges then kind of transitions them to be uh, led by kings. We'll see uh, the book of Judges. Uh, God's people during the book of Judges were led by judges. And judges, the best way to think about judges, um, were they were kind of mayors, if you will. Uh, Israel had a bunch of cities, uh, 12 tribes, and the judges, unlike kings, didn't have jurisdiction over everything They were kind of like the town mayor. They had local jurisdiction, and that's how God chose to lead his people during the book of Judges. Uh, One thing to note is that the book of Judges is roughly 400 years uh, in length. And so even though it's only 21, I think, uh, chapters in the book of Judges, what we see is that it spans a really long time in the history of God's people. Just by way of comparison, anyone have a rough guess how long the United States has been a country? Two something, right? 234 is the exact number. We have been a country 234 years, um, our entire existence. The book of Judges pretty much doubles that. And so we're taking a look at a really long time period in the the history of God's people. That's pretty much the context. It transitions between prophet-led to the kingship. Second of all, we see not only the biblical context, but we see the structure of the book Um, moving right along. Really, the book of Joshua is pretty easy structurally. It has three main parts. So three main stories, if you will. First, section in the book of Judges. Uh, it starts, of course, in chapter one and pretty much runs through chapter two. We see the reason for failure. Uh, a big theme in the book of Judges is the failure of God's people. They fail militarily, ma- militarily to kick the people out of the land. But even more importantly, they fail morally. Uh, they fall into sin. And so in the first section, what we basically see is that um, after the death, death of Joshua, God's people have taken the promised land more or less, but there's still battles to be fought. They're supposed to get rid of all the people in the promised land so that they would not be corrupted by them. And in this first section, which we're going to really see next week, God's people are failing. They're out on the battlefields. God had promised them victory, but they were failing. They were not having military success. And in chapter two, we find out the reason why. The reason is, is they were making covenants. They were making deals with the people that they're supposed to be kicking out. And God says, that's not good. You are going to fail because of that. So we see an introduction to the book in chapters uh, 1 and 2. Then we see the really, the big bulk of the book of Judges. We see the record of failure, uh, starting at 2.6, roundabouts through chapter 16. Obviously, this is the biggest section in the book of Judges, and that's where we will spend most of our time. And essentially what you have here is all of the stories, some of the stories that you may be familiar with. So how many of you are f- familiar with the story of Samson? Ever heard of Samson? Okay, that's where this comes from. Maybe Gideon. He's another big biblical story that we know of. Essentially, we see the record of failure. God's people were supposed to kick out uh, the people in the promised land. They failed to do that. And so God says, I'm going to cause them to be thorns in your sides, and they are going to subdue you. And so during this period of the judges, there's battle. Israel uh, falls into deeper and deeper sin. And the foreign nations essentially take them into captivity several times. And so what we have is we see six judges uh, here that God uh, raises up to deliver his people militarily and morally from their failures. As we see, there are six judges. Uh, you don't have to remember their names now, but we're going to walk through them. The first one is Othniel. So if you're to looking for a good baby name, Heather, Patrick, there you go. Othniel, it's a good one. Just keep keep it in mind. Ehud, another good one. These are the first two prophets. Then you go into Barak and Deborah. Really, uh, Barak is the first one, 4 through 5. And then we get into the story of Gideon, chapters 6 through 10. After that, we see prophet number 5, Jephthah, a good one. You could just call him Jeff, probably easier. 10 and 12. And then we end with the story that probably we're all familiar with, the story of Samson, chapters 13 through 16. Uh, And so essentially what we see is that this is the story of the prophets. When we get into that main section, we're just going to hear the stories of these um, judges that delivered Israel. And I promise you, if you've not read through the book of Judges, there will be stories that you have never heard before. And they will be very interesting, um, to say the least. And so I'm really excited to get into the story of the judges. Uh, So we see the reason for failure. Uh, We see the record for failure. That's the biggest section if you will in the book of judges thirdly uh, the book ends in chapters 17 through 21 with two stories kind of like appendices if you will two stories that kind of serve as a capstone to the book and we see that uh, we see the results of failure essentially what we have is two stories Uh, the first story highlights just how actually both stories highlight just how bad God's people have become. It really shows how graphic, how horrible the downward cycle of sin is when God's people go that route. And so we have two stories. Uh, the first story found in chapter 17 and 18, we see the depth of, of Israel's um, idolatry. We see how far they have fallen into worship of other things. Um, we see the second uh, the, the second story, which the book concludes on, chapters 19, 20, 21. We see the immorality uh, of, uh, of Israel. We see just how bad, how immoral God's people have been. So that's really uh, the basic structure of the book of Judges. Uh, reason for failure, record for failure, and then the results of failure. So we've seen a couple of things. We've seen where the book of Judges fits in the big picture of the Bible. We've seen the basic structure of the book of Judges. Thirdly, and this is where I want to camp a little bit this morning, we see... The cycle of the Judges. So let's go ahead and move on to that. We see the cycle of the Judges. As I mentioned before, the book of Judges is very repetitive. And what we're going to see as we get into, especially that middle section where we have the stories of the Judges, is we're going to see this, this repeated cycle. It's going to happen over and over and over again. And this is really the main thrust of what the book of Judges is all about. And so uh, the cycle of Judges is introduced to us in chapter 2. And so the author introduces, this is what's going to happen throughout the rest of the book. This is the cycle that we're going to see. And then he plays it out uh, throughout the rest of the book. So let's go ahead and read this. If you have your Bible, uh, this is found in uh, Judges chapter 2, starting in verse 11. And so if you have that, uh, go ahead and look and read this with me. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baal's. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. Verse 13. They went after other gods, from among the gods of the peoples who were around them, and they bowed down to them. And they provoked, they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the balls and the Ashtoreth. So verses 1 through 11. Verses 14, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them, 15, and he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned, as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. And then it concludes in verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Uh, That's the basic cycle of the book of Judges that we're going to see repeated over and over again as we get into the story of the Judges. Um, Maybe you're a visual person. And so hopefully this visual kind of help see the cycle of sin in the book of Judges. Essentially, this is a summary of what we just read. So God's people, there's peace in the land. All is well. God's people are serving the Lord. What they do is they decide to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, the word evil is used several, several times, like more than ten in the book of Judges. And so they, they, they do evil. They serve uh, other gods. And so what does God do? God punishes Israel And as a result, Israel is enslaved. So things are well, they do evil, they serve false gods. God says, okay, if you're going to serve false gods, I'm going to allow the people around you to enslave you, to, uh, to do harm to you. And so he punishes them. After a long time, and sometimes, as we're going to see in the stories, it took Israel, God's people, quite a long time to call out to him. But eventually, they cry out to the Lord, help, help us. And so as a result, God, in his mercy and grace, raises up a judge. Again, a judge was kind of like a mayor, a regional leader, if you will. And oftentimes in the book of Judges, almost exclusively, they are a military leader. They raise, uh, they deliver God's people from their enemies. So God raises up a judge, and as a result, Israel is delivered. So they're delivered from their enemies, and they go back to peace in the land. They serve the Lord. And so hopefully that's a really helpful thing for those of us who are visual. But as you can see, it's a cycle. And what happens then is after all of this, after they fail, they, they, uh, they worship other idols, um, God punishes them, and then he delivers them. Can you imagine? The same thing happens over and over and over again. In particular, in the book of Judges, it happens six times. We can move on. Uh, it happens six times. And really what we see is that this cyclical image happens six times according to uh, how many judges there are. Um, If you're a kind of a word person, there are three words that you need to remember in the book of Judges. Let's kind of go on to that. Uh, The cycle of Judges. This may be one easy way to remember it. Sin, slavery, salvation. If you can remember these three little words, say them with me. Sin, slavery, salvation. There you go. You are now an expert on the book of Judges. This is what the book of Judges is all about. God's people sin. Because of that, they fall into slavery because of their sin and rebellion. They cry out to God. God is gracious and merciful, and He delivers them sin, slavery, and salvation. That is what the book of Judges. Is essentially all about what we see then is that this cycle repeats itself six times and it repeats itself six times according to the number of judges. Remember I said there are six, we call them major judges, big stories, if you will, in the book. And this this cycle of sin and uh, slavery and salvation repeats itself six times according to each judge. And so with each story of the judge, we're going to see this cycle repeated. And what I want us to see, what I hope that we can see, is that as this cycle goes along, as they go uh, into sin more and more and more, what happens is that their sin, their depravity, their idol worship, their immorality falls deeper and deeper and deeper. Kind of like if you can see the image behind here. A downward spiral. It begins slow, and then it picks up steam, and it picks up steam, and they fall deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. And the author really shows us this in a couple ways, a couple main ways. Uh, Let's go to the next slide here. The first way that we can see that God's people are falling deeper and deeper and deeper into sin is by looking at the judges. Notice I said that there were six main judges. Here they are. In chronological order, Othniel, Ehud, Barak, Gideon, Jephthah, and Samson. Essentially, what you see when you look, when you read the book of Judges, is that the first judges are good judges. There are two good judges, two suspect or questionable judges, and there are two really bad judges. And it follows the story. The first judges, uh, Othniel and Ehud, are very good. They're good judges. They do what's right in the the, the eyes of the Lord. There's no immorality. They deliver the people. When you get into kind of the middle section, the middle two judges, they're questionable at best. You have Barak, um, who doubts uh, the Lord, and you have Gideon, uh, who does miraculous things, but eventually ends up leading his people into idol worship inadvertently. And so the two middle judges, they have their good points, but they are also questionable at best. And so you see the downward spiral. Israel's getting worse and worse. And finally, when you get to the last, last two of the judges that we're going to talk about, the six major judges, Jephthah and Samson, we all are familiar, I think, to some degree with the story of Samson. But really, these guys, they were just bad. And the author does this intentionally. He wants us to know that when we are in the cycle of sin, when we continually sin, receive forgiveness, and then go back to that sin over and over and over Things get progressively worse and worse and worse. So much so that when you have the last two judges, they are just as bad as the Canaanites that they are delivering their people from. There's just a downward spiral, if you will. And so that's, the, that's one way that we can see that this cycle is going downward. The second way is just by the simple amount of press that's given. Uh, interesting fact, when the very first judge, um, Othniel, uh, gets four verses... And so the author says very little about the good judges. When when we read this, you're going to see it. The good judges, they're good, and he just writes just a small amount. He doesn't say too much about them. But as he goes on and on and on, Samson gets uh, three chapters, I believe. Three chapters. No, four chapters. Sorry. And so the point is, is that the good judges just get a very little press. But the author wants us to know as we go on down the spiral of sin, it gets worse and worse and worse, uh, I think what we see here from the from the cycle of the judges, it, my hope is that we can learn something about the nature of sin in our life, about the nature of rebellion, about how it starts off very slow, very subtle um, it 's not very quick, but the more that we engage in it, the more that we fall, the more that we go back to it. It just starts this downward cycle, and if you uh, and if you keep going down that cycle, it accelerates, it accelerates, it accelerates, it accelerates, and it gets faster and faster and faster. Uh, by way of example, uh, a couple things. I don't know exactly what these things are called, but I'm sure you've seen them. One of, the, one of my favorite things uh, to do growing up, and I don't even remember where we would go to, to see this kind of thing, um, but it, it's a round kind of circular thing, and it's, it's like goes down and it's a tube. You know what I'm talking about? And you put quarters or pennies or coins in them, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, shake your heads. Okay, you put it in and it goes, right? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? That's exactly the spiral of sin that we see in the book of Judges. Uh, you put the, the quarter in and at first it just goes slow, right, around the edge. It's just kind of rolling, rolling. It's going slowly. It's not too bad, but eventually it picks up speed. It picks up speed. And by the end, it's at the very bottom and it is going at such an accelerated pace. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. This is exactly the point of the book of Judges. Is that is that when we um, engage in sin, continue, 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 it starts off kind of gradual, but it gets to be out of control. I want to share a quick, a quick uh, excerpt from a book. How many of you are familiar with the book? Uh, screw, tape, screw tape letters. Familiar with the screw tape letters? Uh, excellent book by C.S. Lewis. I want to share a quote uh, from the book Screw tape letters. In the screw tape letters, essentially C.S. Lewis is writing uh, f- about um, uh, conversations between an elder demon, if you will, and one of his younger uh, protege demons. And so the the whole premise of the book is to show how demons how satan gets us to sin and so we have this older demon talking to this younger demon I want to share an excerpt about that. I think c.s lewis has it exactly right He says this. This is the older demon talking to his protege and he says this You will say that these are very small sins and doubtless like all young tempters You are anxious to be able to report spectacular wickedness but do remember, the only thing that matters is the extent to which you separate the man from the enemy, i.e., God. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided, and catch this, provided that their cumulative effect is to keep the man away from the light. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. Indeed, the safest road to hell is is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, and without signposts. That's exactly what the book of Judges is trying to tell us that sin is a slow process, but the deeper and the deeper and the deeper we get, the faster it's going to accelerate. Many of you may be familiar. Um, with a band called Casting Crowns. Uh, Personally, I enjoy them uh, very much. They have a song called It's a Slow Fade, and I think that uh, they are saying exactly what C.S. Lewis was saying so many years ago about sin and about what the book of Judges is saying. And so I want to share this music video with us.
2: glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings. Be careful little feet where you go. For it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. It's a slow thing when you give yourself away. It's a slow thing when black and white turned to gray and thoughts invade Choices On a business trip. Do you have to? Well, maybe they can do without me this time.
0: Isn't that an excellent video? I think it highlights the point that one decision leads to another, leads to another, down the dow- downward spiral. All right. <clears throat> couple themes and then we'll be done. A couple big themes and that kind of leads us to the purpose of the book. The first main theme that we see in the book of Judges is that sin leads to slavery. Sin leads to slavery. We see that in the nation of Israel. Uh, They worship other gods. They are not faithful to God. They are seduced away into sin, immorality, idolatry. They fall away in their relationship from God. And as a result, they fall into military uh, conquest, into military slavery. In fact, one commentator, Dr. Enrig, says this, and he's right on cue. Sin produces servitude. Sin produces servitude. That is the fact of the book of Judges. That's the fact of the book of Judges. Interestingly enough, when we go to the very end of the book of Judges, we see this verse. This is how, this is how the, bo- uh, the author of the book uh, chooses to end. So if we can find that... Um, Verse in twenty one twenty five. This is how he concludes the book. He says this In those days, remember, four hundred years worth of downward spiraling. In those days there was no king in Israel. Catch this. Everyone did. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now could you not end a book uh, of our culture today in this way? Could you not say the very same thing about our culture? Everyone does what was right in their own eyes. Why is that? It's because very clearly they reject God as king. Notice the first statement. In those days, there was no king in Israel. And while that certainly does talk to an earthly king, Israel at that time did not have kings yet. They were to have them in the future. But even in Israel, the kings were to be kings under the king. God was always supposed to be the king in Israel. The kings, the human kings, were merely subject to him. And so I think the point that the author is making is that when God is not king in our life, in our church, in our land, when God is not king, the result is that everyone does whatever they think is right. Everyone does what they think is right. And as a result, it leads to sin. And that sin leads to slavery. Now, for those of us here on this side of the cross, we are not uh, members of the nation of Israel, we are believers in Jesus. But the principle holds true. Uh, for Israel, uh, the consequences of sin was physical slavery. But for those of us on this side of the cross, uh, the Bible, the New Testament makes very clear that this is still true, that the consequences for sin in our life is spiritual bondage. Paul says this very clear in Romans 6. And so in the same way, a couple of applicational thoughts for us. The consequences of sin in our life is spiritual bondage. I think the overarching question for the whole book that we're going to be going through, the overarching question is, is simply this. Is there anything that has you in bondage this morning? Is there anything that you would say, you're a believer in Christ, uh, but you're enslaved? Uh, it's, it's defeating you. You can't overcome it. It's overwhelming. You feel like you have no choice. You may be down the downward spiral of the book of judges. So, what sin is enslaving you this morning? Could be a million different things. Maybe it's worry. If you're a worrier like me, um, you can be enslaved to it. You worry about your kids. You worry about your financial situation. You worry about your job. You worry about your marriage. You worry about your health. You worry about work. Anything that comes up, you worry about it. And what you really are is you are in bondage to it. Maybe it's your temper. You can't control it. You get angry very quickly, as I find myself doing in the middle of the night when my son is crying and and he doesn't go down. (laughs) I find myself having very short patience with him. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's uh, with your employees. And you are in bondage to it. You're enslaved to it. Maybe it's bitterness. Something happened to you years ago, and you've never forgiven. You were bitter about it maybe it's uh, something your parents did to you maybe it's something your friend said behind your back maybe it's something your spouse did that you can't let go but you are bitter bitterly in bondage whatever it may be there are a million different things it could be for all of us i want us to begin this series by asking this broad question what it, what is it what is it that we if you're a believer what do you feel like you are enslaved to That's the first major theme, sin leads to slavery, but it ends on a positive note. While sin leads to slavery, the other kind of silver lining in this book, which is really full of dark clouds, the silver lining in this book is that while sin leads to slavery, God indeed is a great Savior. That is the second theme, and we find that uh, in chapter 2, verse 18. We see this as uh, as the author kind of summarizes this cycle. Let's kind of go there. 2.18. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, notice this. The Lord was with the judge, and he saved them. He delivered them, and he saved them from the hands of their enemies all the days of the judge. What we see here. Is that while sin leads to slavery, God, throughout the book of Judges, is extremely gracious. We really see very clearly the grace of God when His people, who are supposed to be covenantally faithful to Him, like a husband is to be to his wife, and vice versa, when they play the harlot time and time and time again, He does not divorce them, He does not let them go. He is faithful to them, He is gracious to them, and He delivers them. Notice, In the book of Judges, we are tempted to think that the judges themselves, these six major judges, are the heroes of the book because they deliver God's people. And while they are the heroes of the book, really, actually, God is the hero of the book. He is the one who delivers his people. Notice it says, the Lord was with the judge. God was the one doing it. And he, referring to God... And he saved them from the hand of all of their, in- of, uh, of their enemies all the days of the judge. And so the main point, and this I think points us to the grace of God, is that while sin back in those days led to slavery and God is a great Savior, the same is true for us on this side of the cross. While sin certainly does, does leave, uh, lead to spiritual slavery, God is still a great Savior. And it points us to the grace of God. One quick quote, some applications, and we'll be done. McCann says this, pointing us towards the cross of Christ. The book of Judges, as every other Old Testament book, points us to Jesus. It's about Jesus. God cannot help but be gracious to a people who apparently cannot help but be unfaithful. This indeed is the portrayal of God throughout the biblical canon, including the New Testament, where the resolution of God's dilemma takes the form of a cross the ultimate act of God's grace towards incurably sinful humankind. And so ultimately, the book of Judges, we see God's grace over and over again, and it points us to the day where God is ultimately gracious to all humankind. We are all incurably wicked and sick. We all go in this cycle numerous times, but instead of giving us hell forever and ever, a just punishment, God sends us Jesus. He gives us grace. He gives us forgiveness. And so... The first kind of application for you this morning is uh, maybe you're here and you've never, you've never experienced that kind of grace before. You don't, know what it's, you don't know what it's like to be forgiven. You don't know what it's like to know Jesus as your Savior, to be transformed and changed simply by his grace. If you've never done that this morning, this is your application. This is all that you need to know is that God, Jesus. Is a great Savior, and that He can save you from your sins. not just the penalty of your sin, but He can save you from the power of sin. That leads us to the second application for those of us this morning who have entered into a relationship with God through Jesus. What this means for us is that while we can be caught up in the spiral of sin, it can be broken. It can be broken because God is still a great Savior, and Jesus still can deliver us from this cycle of sin and so you may think that your hang-ups cannot be cured. You may think that your character is always going to be flawed. Uh, you may think that God will never forgive you and he won't ever transform you. And this is simply not the case. It's simply not the case. You may, be, uh, you may be on this downward spiral and you may think, man, my spiritual life stinks. It's never going to be what it used to be. You may think, I have run from God for so long, surely he will abandon me. And the truth is that he won't. You may think that you are doomed to live life in the slavery to whatever sin or habit or flaw that you may be struggling with at the time. You may think, I'm never, I, just, I have to live this way. I can never obtain victory. I can't be delivered or saved from it. And the message of the book of Judges is that you can be. Is that you can be. because, And this is where we see our purpose of the book of Judges. And I think maybe it's, there it is. I want to leave us with this. The purpose of the book of Judges is to teach us that sin leads to slavery, but that God, indeed, is a great Savior. And I want you to hear my heart. My heart for us as a church, and for me as an individual, is simply this, that wherever we find ourselves in this downward spiral of judges, that we would personally experience that Jesus can save us, not only from the penalty of our sin, but from from the power that sin has in our life. And I pray that we will grow in that this year. So let's pray. Father, I pray as we uh, prepare to sing uh, that you are uh, mighty to save. I pray, Father, I pray that we would believe that in our hearts. I pray that we would believe that in our hearts and that we would experience that in our life, that the sin in our life does entangle us and it leads us um, down the slippery slope, uh, the slow fade of sin and how one thing leads to another. We confess our sin to you that we are often in in this cycle and it needs to be broken. We need for you uh, to be our deliverer and our savior. And So we ask Jesus that you would do that. Uh, for those of us who are believers, that we would be delivered from the power of sin in our life, the things that we feel like we are in bondage to. I pray that you would break that and that we would cooperate with you in that. And Father, I pray this morning for those who uh, are, are in bondage to sin and they know nothing else. They have not trusted in Jesus. I pray that they would come to know him, come to place their faith in him, uh, simply by believing in who he is, the very Son of God. God and man, come to earth to die on the cross for our sins, that they may be forgiven and changed and be made new. Father, we ask it in your name. Amen. At this point, we are offering, so the ushers are gonna, going to do that. And as they uh, do that, I invite you to uh, prepare to sing a closing song. All right, thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, as we go, let's remember uh, that sin leads to slavery, but indeed, our God is mighty to say. See you next week.